Hello and welcome to the first episode of this series, Living Laudato C. I'm Michaela Howard-Jones. Over the next four episodes, you're going to hear leaders, educators and students sharing their stories on how they have brought Laudato C to life in their schools across four themes. Integral ecology, nature play and playing in mystery and ecological conversion. But to begin on today's episode, we're going to take a deep dive into wonder and awe. At the top of today's episode, James Meston and I sat down with Father James McAvoy to talk about how wonder and awe finds a place in theology and in his own life. Look, it's at the very centre of everything, you know. It's at the very centre of our experience of God. That's, that's what awe and wonder is about. Like little children being... Well, and, you know, on adults being moved by the mystery of it all, you know, and you get it at different times, you know, some, well, you know, the things that people always say, uh, a, a beautiful sunset or a gorgeous little flower or, uh, you know, I'm a priest and I've, I've celebrated a million baptisms, maybe a few less than that, but a lot. And, uh, and uh, one thing that uh, often mothers say all the time is, I never knew I could love this much, you know, yeah. in preparing, you know, in in thinking about their baby, their child, and uh, just being moved by the beauty of life, the wonder of life, mm. you know, that's the centre of it all. And you know, I want to suggest too that even even in times of of um, bereavement, even in really difficult times, uh, even there, sometimes we can see something far deeper, uh, you know, see that life is is an utter gift and that uh, it also, it, it's a gift, but it also, you know, opens us up to more, it's transcendent, it's, you know, it helps us to touch the mystery of God in that way. So everything has the capacity, because we understand that God has created everything, well then everything has the capacity to open it, us up to that. If if we are attentive to it. I think so. I think that the thing that I remember the most vividly about when my son was born, my, my first child was born, um, and I remember there were things like, you know, certain kinds of like films that I used to like to go and see and those sorts of things and things that I could sort of like that I could stand and, and, and handle in terms of their intensity that changed once I knew that I had to have this um this extreme uh um love that i was completely overwhelmed and in awe of mm. uh, and the only way that i could describe it to people was that i was changed almost on a chemical level by mm. that level of overwhelming mm. um awe and love um mm. and i think it can do that it can just change mm. the foundation of who you are i know yeah, it certainly can james that's a beautiful experience yeah and it, you know, with the natural world too, not only the human world. Uh, um, uh, I'm not sure if you know Jared Manley Hopkins, the very famous mm. Jesuit poet from the 19th century. I was reading a biography last year, and there's this gorgeous little story at the end of uh, one of the young, well, the young brothers, um, coming back to the house. And at this stage, you know, um, this is just a few years before Hopkins died, and. Uh, if, so the young brother comes and he sees at the front gate, here's this old guy down on his hands and knees at, at the corner of the gate. And he's just totally transfixed by 
a little plant breaking through the cement, mm. and you know, in awe of that little thing, and uh, and so in that context, you know, his gorgeous poetry, and you know, I, I, the one I love most, God's grandeur, is of, uh, you know, he says. Uh, the world is charged by, with the grandeur of God. Mm. And he has, you know, images of the way it is. It will, it will flame out like shining from shook foil. You know, that sense of being um, dazzled by it all, or, or just being moved slowly by it all. You know, he says it will gather to a greatness like the ooze of oil crushed. Yeah, and for him, that's you know, it's the very last line of the poet, poem says. That's experiencing the presence of God or the Holy Spirit or, you know, in his words, as he says, the Holy Ghost. That's, that is God there. So uh, that's what I think uh, wonder and awe is about. It's, uh, and utterly, uh, the, the natural world takes us to that. Yeah, when people articulate faith, it gives other people a way into it. You know, that's the crucial reality of the need to articulate faith because yeah. otherwise we have no access to mystery you know it's it's the articulation that gives us access sure it, it's there in the beauty of nature uh, and uh, um you know and all of the other wonderful things of our world but uh, unless we have the words we don't know what we're looking at i have my oldest great nephew uh, in his, you know, when he was about from three on, maybe even a bit earlier, you know, he'd been to the shops a lot with mum and was allowed to, and dad too, but was was allowed to, you know, use the credit card, you know, ding, and you know, totally transfixed by the credit card. So he gets home and decides that he'll set up a rock shop, you know, lots of rocks in the backyard, sets up the rock shop. And I tell you, it's so much fantasy in, in that uh, time with with me you know and yeah i mean things that uh, really astounded me uh, really uh, amazed me yeah you know uh, uh, just the imagination of it all that uh, he could draw in all sorts of aspects of his life in, into the uh, the um, the task of of being the the shopkeeper of course and not the customer you know it was to see how wonder and all looks inside a school community, we're going to start with St. Michael's College Primary. No one could better show that wonder and awe than Izzy and Michael, two reception students who very kindly showed me around their favourite place in the schoolyard, the fairy garden. You've got to show me this fairy garden, Izzy. I'm very excited. The fairy gardens are just down here. Our class, our class made it. Did you? Yeah. What did you do when you were making the fairy garden? We built lots of fairy things and we put in some flowers and we put some stuff we made in there. Can you show, tell me what you can see? What, what are we looking at here? We're looking at some pots we painted to make them look like fairy houses. Oh, I love them. They kind of look like mushrooms as well, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And what else is in here? And we got some toy things that it can break easily, but we be very careful with them so they don't break. And to make the fairy feel welcome, we got this sign that says, Welcome Fairy. Oh, I love that. So that they know that they're here. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And why is it why is it really important to be really careful with all of this stuff? Oh, because oh, cause they, cause they might break and, and we don't want to hurt the fairies' love so so they can't come to St Michael's. And do you think the fairies do come to St Michael's? Yeah. yeah. 
This, this one's messed up. Oh dear. Should we put it back together a little bit then? Yeah. All right. What are we going to do to put it back together? So we have to put all the stuff in the right place. And why is it really important to be cleaning up this space out here? Because the fairies, because we don't want the fairies to not have a happy life. Just like the chickens, hey? Yeah. Happy chickens, happy fairies. What about happy you guys? Yeah. When are, are you happy? We are happy every day. I'm happy every day. Mostly happy when I when I'm next to fairy gone so I can make sure they stay safe. Next up, we're going to hear from Kelly Davies at St. Raphael's School about how her reception students have taken to a classic classroom activity with a nature-based spin. Take a listen. In religious education, um, we have also incorporated into Christian meditation. Um, so some of the learners in my class really struggle to actually stay still in that time when we're having Christian meditation. Um, so what I've started doing this term to connect them with nature is actually showing some videos on the screen. Um, we don't use music in Christian meditation, so um, I don't have any sound and we're just silent during that time. Um, and the kids look at the videos. So um, yesterday we were looking at baby animals, we've looked at underwater type things, um, nature, and it's really great. And the kids um, are just in awe I think that is the thing that they're looking at it and the other day I went and um, the singing bowl at the end three times indicates the end of Christian meditation and all the kids went oh because they there was a tiger on the screen and they wanted to keep watching mm. um, but they also do a gratitude journal after Christian meditation so I allow that to continue playing and then I put music on relaxing music in that time as well um, so they can continue watching the nature videos that we're um, trying to connect with um, and then often their gratitude journal that they're writing about is their connection to nature or something that they're mm. grateful for that God has created. Next up, James Meston sat down with Yanni from Holy Family Primary School. He's a Year 6 student who has been a part of the school's aquaponics farm project for the protection of endangered species of fish. What do you think having a fish farm like that is important to have in the school? I think it's important because authorities can like uh, send fishes to us that's like about to go extinct so we can uh, breed them and take care of them so they can grow. Why does that matter? Um, why does that matter is because like let's say um, the authorities just like had a fish tank in the house or whatever they they don't have enough time to like take care of it because they have to like do notes and stuff and so they just um, they have to like how do I say this? Mail the fishes over. The, <laughs> mail the fishes over. So it comes in a post pack and they're wrapped in bubble wrap or something. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> We're going to hear from Jake Winters, Assistant Principal Inclusion, and Jerry McCarthy, an experienced fish breeding expert and teacher who works with the school and students to oversee the breeding and release of these endangered fish. They were more than happy to take producer James Meston and Alice Dunlop, Catholic Identity and Mission Project Officer at Catholic Education, down to see where the magic happens. But oh, yeah, really, I mean, look at the size. These are big. Yeah, they're 60 be what? plus. I was about to say they're close to probably 70, 80 yeah. centimetres long. They're yeah, big. Yeah, they would be close. Oh, wow, look at that. That's your full adult size. And you see there, that's a male. So he's, he's full coloured up and ready to breed again. So 
coming on to spring now, they'll start laying their eggs. So that's the male, and this is a female, is it? Yeah, the colouring. Yeah, uh, if you see three stripes on the gills, yeah. they're males. And what role do, do the gudgeon play in the ecosystem? Like, what, what's at risk with them not being a part of that? Well, you take out anything out of an existing ecosystem, then other things will fall out of it too. So if you take the gudgeon out of um, an ecosystem, what predates naturally on them is going to be disadvantaged, whether it be other fish or birds or frogs, as, as long as they're native. But as soon as you take something out, that's a domino effect, isn't it? Yeah. Now I've got to show you something really cool. Okay, I always love cool things. But here you go, um, etymology, large barramundi. Barramundi is a Aboriginal word that means large silver-scaled fish. So, see the barra there? See the size of them? Yeah. So, they started off as three centimetre fingerlings. Oh, wow. So these are our pets. So you want to feed them? That's big, man. Do you want to feed them? Video you feed Did them? you just say that you got barramundi out to feed to barramundi? Yeah. We don't waste so, any. So what? <laughs> How does that work? What happened over the weekend? Oh. <laughs> what happened over the weekend is one barramundi has jumped out, a smaller barramundi, has jumped out of one of these ponds and oh. landed on the floor. And the guy who comes in over the weekend just picked up and put it in the fridge. I said, nothing goes to waste. So is this kind of, you, you've almost got this kind of um, evangelical zeal about this idea of, of not wasting a drop, exactly. always using, yeah. where, where did this come from for you? Like, how did you become so passionate about this idea? I was probably ingrained. Um, you know, grew up with family, my family that loved gardening and things like that. But that, back in those days, you just watered all the time. Then through science, um, found better ways of doing it and yeah, more sustainable ecological ways and living in a country that values its water. Yep. So just doing it a little bit better. And just like Father McAvoy said, wonder and awe isn't just present in our children's lives, but in our own lives too, when we're moved by the mystery of it all. Although in this case, these barramundi have left very little mystery to be solved. The five sixes do it. <laughs> literally, literally jump. This, this is this is more like I would imagine a shark feeding than a barramundi feeding. <laughs> that was obvious. Did you, did you <laughs> no. jump? You're very brave. Oh, I jumped. Oh, done this before. I thought when, when you were like, oh, get ready. It was like, get ready. No, they'll get me. <laughs> that was a very. Oh, that one. But they didn't compete. If you'd like to learn more about aquaponics and how it functions inside a school community, we're going to be taking a deeper look inside this project in our next episode, so stay tuned for that. But finally, I took a trip down to St. Therese to talk with APRAM Carol Jurell about their full-day gardening initiative and how Wonder and Awe quickly turned from just that into much more, something she rarely ever sees in a classroom setting. I, I love that you're sort of talking about that you've been surprised by oh. some of the things that have come out. Yeah, so much, so many learnings from this, and um, I'm sure a lot of the um, other teachers can relate to this. That um, after our outdoor classroom learning day, we were doing a bit of a reflection and a debrief about the day and the high levels of student engagement in the day. Um, and some of the students that we can see um, might struggle with aspects of an educational environment, such as restlessness and um, 
lack of focus. Like we did not have any issues with those students. They were totally immersed in the activities and time passed quickly for them. There was no restlessness. They actually wanted to continue with those mm. activities and we're sorry when I ended. We also had not one behavioural issue in oh, the whole wow. day, not one. Yeah. And we did not have any students going to get first aid, you know, during the day because sometimes, you know, students that go to get first aid are not always getting first aid. Yeah. It's for other reasons. So that was very telling that nobody was looking for avenues to remove themselves from an activity. They were totally immersed and in what I could see was like a state of flow because they were so engaged, enjoying it. So much of it is a mindful experience for them and they're loving it and wanting more. And some of the feedback that we got from um, students was that they want more days like that. And then as a staff, we were considering that perhaps not a whole day of it, but if we can do it more regularly in blocks or chunks of time on a regular basis, whether mm. it's each week or each fortnight, um, because especially the Little East don't have that stamina for a whole day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we are going to be doing more of it. We're wanting more staff – well, sorry – Staff are wanting to get further development in this area and we'll yeah. support them with this. Um, and our hope is that it is going to grow from being predominantly in the ARDA to uh, professional learning community, branching up into years three, four, five and six. Do you think that um, the engagement is is the be all and end all? Do you think it's like, oh, I'm really excited about this, this is new and this is interesting? Or is there like slowly, I suppose, over time a deeper understanding that's starting to happen, maybe creeping in or maybe a light bulb moment either way um, in the students. And, and if, if there is, what does that look like? Have you actually seen it? Mm. That's a really good reflection. And I guess my response to that is engagement is a stepping stone towards the outcomes that we're looking for. Engagement is not that final outcome that we want. It's a stepping stone because... When we've got all of our students engaged, they are experiencing nature and that is a gift from God. And in experiencing his gifts, they are becoming closer to him, getting to know him. And that's that's a step in the relationship that they have with God for a faith experience. But what what's that outcome that we're looking for? And it's that relationship with God but also too in having that relationship, it's you're a custodian of his gifts of nature. So that responsibility um, and empowering them with what they can do in that responsibility they have as custodians. And when they experience God's nature, they are in awe of it and do naturally care for it and want to look after it. So it's a lot all happening at the same time together. I'm not sure if I'm expressing that no, correctly, no. but yeah, it's like there's lots of things going on in that experience that combine for them to want to care for nature and turn around what is happening in our world or pause it and start new positive practices happening so we can do some yeah. good work and caring yeah. for the environment. Yeah, and and you're so right because it is it's a slow thing, and that idea of engagement mm. is the stepping stone. Mm. It's just such a beautiful way to put that. Yeah, In and also too, what 
what I see is students, when they're having these experiences, they're not doing this in isolation alone. It's very collaborative. They're doing it in groups. So they're not alone with what they're experiencing. It shares, they're having conversation. It's like a mutual recognition um, of what they are experiencing and together they become passionate and together they want to care for it. So it's having a huge impact. And when it's not just you feeling that way and you've got your peers also too united with you in how you're feeling and the actions that you want to take, great things will happen. joining us on the first episode of Living Laudato C. Our next episode is going to explore just what Carol was talking about, integral ecology, where you're going to hear how these teachers have shown their students just how connected we all are with our earth. This podcast was produced by ArchD Radio and Podcasting on behalf of Catholic Education South Australia. My name is Michaela Howard-Jones. See you again on the next episode.